we've been um, trucking through <coughs> the Gospel of John on Sundays, um, but we're going to take a break from that for one week, <coughs> and we're going to see what God has to say from us to us from His Word um, in connection to uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And so I would invite you to please take your Bibles and go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter six, Romans chapter six. If you're visiting with us, you can fill out a card there in the seat pocket in front of you and you can fill that out. There's a box there at the end. You can put that in the box or you can put that on the table back there. But um, if you are visiting, there's a Bible in the chair in front of you and you pull that Bible out and uh, go to the back and find page 122 page 122 um, is Romans chapter 6 <clears throat> I was talking to somebody this past week what, what do you, they asked me what are you going to preach on for Sunday for Resurrection Sunday I said Romans chapter 6 I said what does that have to do with the resurrection <laughs> so I'm like well I guess you'll find out <laughs> so maybe you might be asking what does this have to do with the resurrection you'll find out Romans chapter 6 look at the first five verses Romans 6, chapter 1, excuse me, verse 1, chapter 6. Shall we say then, are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so we too might walk in new life for if we become united with him in the likeness of his death certainly we shall be also of his resurrection Uh, birthdays at my house are a big deal the birthday person gets asked what kind of cake she or he wants. They asked, what do you want for breakfast? What do you want for lunch? What do you want for dinner? And we set time aside to sing happy birthday. It's a big deal. Light candles, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's a big deal for us. And there's a lot of them in our house. There's seven. If you include me and Chris, it's nine. Wow. What if we forgot the reason for the birthday cake? What if we had the birthday cake but forgot it was someone's birthday? You're eating the birthday cake, well, why are you having birthday cake? Well, I don't know. Well, is it somebody's birthday? Well, I don't know. Who cares? I'm just eating cake. It's probably the seven-year-old who is. See, the important aspect is not the cake. Well, maybe for some of you it is. The important aspect is not supposed to be the cake. I'll put it that way. It's the person. I mean, you're celebrating uh, God's grace and God's goodness, His faithfulness, and the joy of this person. We're celebrating that. Celebrating the goodness of God. So it's not the, the, the cake, it's the person. Even praising God for that person, right? That's usually, usually how it goes. Or that's how it should go. 
I don't see birthday cake in this passage. What does birthday cake have to do with this passage? We're having cake, but have we forgotten why we're having the cake? We're eating the cake, but have we forgotten why we're eating the cake? And I describe this passage for today. Baptism is the birthday cake. Baptism is the birthday cake. But sometimes we have the cake and we have the birthday cake but we've forgotten that the birthday cake points to to us to the person. It points us to who he is and what he's done. And we're celebrating him. Have we forgotten that? We celebrated four baptisms just a couple Sundays ago. And one major aspect we need to remember is that baptism shows that we truly believe in the physical, literal, historical resurrection of Jesus. That's what it shows us. Here, in a statement, baptism is the birthday cake of the resurrection of Christ. What undergirds this act of baptism is commemorating Christ's resurrection because we truly believe he actually physically, literally, historically rose from the dead. And this is the crux of all that we do, of of all that we are as Christians. And, And one of the ways that we celebrate this is baptism. But we forget that this is just the birthday cake. It's supposed to point us to Christ. It's supposed to point us to and commemorate to us the resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is not the event of salvation. Baptism doesn't save you. You just get cleaner. Hopefully, Dwayne, you did take a shower that Sunday, right? Oh, anyways, we won't talk about that, right? It's the picture of the event. It's not the event of salvation. Baptism is the immersion or the dipping of a believer in water as a symbol of the Holy Spirit's miracle transformation within them. Baptism, the Greek word baptizo means to dip. That's why we don't sprinkle. We dip you under the water. And and there's a reason behind that too. You'll see that in a moment. Why that's so vital that that happens. We'll look at that in a moment. But baptism, it, it pictures what happened to us on the inside. It's a symbol of the new birth of that person. She or he has become new, reborn, excuse me, born from above, John chapter 3. So his whole life has changed. So her whole life has changed. Biblical baptism occurs after there is conviction of sin and acknowledgement of guilt before God. 
repentance toward God from sin. After there's confession of faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and that He rose from the dead. See, when you get baptized, it, it's an external expression. You, you express on the outside what happens to you internally, an internal reality. Internally, baptism is, is symbolic of the washing away of our sin. It's symbolic of the dying of our old nature, the old gym and the new life in Jesus. It's a symbol of our inclusion in the body of Christ, but it's also a symbol of the promise of a future resurrection and glory. See, this is what Paul was saying in Romans chapter 6. Look with me in, verse, in chapter 5, verse 20. Just maybe a page over in your Bible or scroll down a little bit on your device. Chapter 5, verse 20. And the law came in that, right, that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That is, sin reigned in death, verse 21 even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Paul's saying here in chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, he's saying this, the more we sin, the more God pours out his grace upon us. The more you sin, the more God pours out his grace. You sin God's grace. You sin God's grace. He keeps pouring his grace because it's found in Jesus. Jesus died for that sin. He died for that sin. So more grace is poured out upon you. The more you sin, the more grace God pours out upon you. But, 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 but notice what he says in verse one of chapter six. Shall we continue? Shall, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace might increase? Oh, this is grace. Wait, wait. You mean to tell me God pours out his grace every time I sin? Awesome, I'm gonna keep sinning. Do, 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 do. That's what the thought process. And Paul's like, time out. No, 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 no. Shall we continue in sin so that grace might increase? No way. Never. Why? Look at what he says. Verse 2. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? What do you mean, Paul? Verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, verse 4, we've been buried with him through baptism into death for the purpose that as Christ was raised from the dead through the Father's glory, so we too might walk in new life. Notice what he's doing here. We were buried with Jesus in baptism. Now, Paul's not speaking about actual this this is our baptism. He's not talking about this, the actual act of baptism. He's not talking about that. Besides, he didn't even know we had a baptistry. He's not talking about that. He's not speaking about actual, the actual act of baptism, but of what happened to each Jesus follower on the inside, spiritually. What happens? We're Buried with Christ through baptism into death. That's why you're put under the water. You die. 
And as Christ was raised from the dead, by means of the Father's glory. How, how was Jesus raised? By what means? The glory of the Father brought him back to life. Acts chapter 13, verse 34, Paul said, God raised him up. Jesus said of himself, I give my life and I can take it back again. So the Father's glory raised Jesus. Jesus raised himself. As Christ was raised from the dead, in the same way we walk in new life, we're raised. In other words, we're spiritually raised. See, there's a whole new person, a whole new Jim, a whole new Kalen. Why? Because Jesus the Messiah rose from the dead. See, Jesus had to rise from the dead for you to rise from the dead, for you to be new, for you to be transformed, and for you and I to one day be physically transformed with the same body that Jesus had. When the Spirit of God regenerates me or you, and then I respond in faith, trusting in Jesus alone, a whole new person has been raised. A whole new person is raised to life. The old Jim has died. Why? Because Jesus rose. See, that's the vital truth about Christianity. Jesus rose. This is the crux of all that we do. This is the crux of who we are as Christians. God saves us because Jesus rose. He'll save you and he'll change you if you put your trust in him today. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Have you turned from sin and trusted in Jesus? God should condemn us, but he doesn't. He actually shows love. We'll sing later the deep, deep love of Jesus. He came, he died, he rose physically from the dead and he says, repent and trust in me and I'll save you. There's the gospel. Come, he'll save you and change you. He'll transform you. This is the heart of the gospel and this is the heart of who we are as Christians. And notice, if you would, Back to Romans chapter six how, 6, how verse 5 is key. Verse 5, for if we have become, become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also of his resurrection. We're united with him in his death. And we're united with him in his resurrection. How is that demonstrated? How, how do you show that you've been united to Jesus? How do you show you've been united to his death? How do you show you've been united to his resurrection? Baptism. Because we put you under the water. and We hold you under and shake you just like that. No, we put you under the water. Which symbolizes you. I did that to Dwayne. Come on, Dwayne. Dwayne, breathe, breathe. No, don't breathe. Don't breathe in the water. 
little taken on Duane today. Poor Duane. Right away, he was a big guy too. I'm like, please God, don't, don't let me keep him under. <laughs> He's like, run him on the water. This symbolizes Duane died. The old Duane died. That's how he united with Jesus. The old Duane dies, and there's a new Duane. He's changed. And that, and it's, it's not that the baptism does that. It just cleaned him. He smelled better now. That's not the point of it. The baptism depicts the old person dying and a whole new person coming to life, or, or if you permit me to say this, a resurrection from the dead. That's because going under the water symbolizes death. The water of baptism, it symbolizes not good. It actually symbolizes bad. Think of the water in baptism as bad. It's evil. Is, is death good? That's when you all say no. Is death good? No. Death is not good. Was the flood good? No. The flood, the waters of the flood symbolizes judgment. What do you think water symbolizes? Judgment. What did Jesus face for you? Judgment. Death. It was bad. And so, when you die, you go into the water. That's my death, and then you rise. I'm transformed. Why am I transformed? Because Jesus rose from the dead. So what undergirds baptism is commemorating the physical, literal, historical resurrection of Jesus, because if he did not rise from the dead, then I am still in my sins. If he did not rise from the dead, I haven't been transformed. If he did not rise from the dead, I haven't been changed. And Paul is lying to you right here. Plus, there's no reason for me to live a life of godliness. Why? Who cares? If Jesus did not physically, literally, historically rise from the dead, there's no reason for me to live a life of godliness and holiness. Because baptism is a public declaration of our allegiance to Jesus and our separation from the world and a life of sin. I'm not gonna live a life of sin. I'm choosing not sin, I'm choosing Christ. Why? Because I've been transformed. I'm changed. I'm a, I'm, I'm a new person. If Jesus did rise from the dead, that's why I should not continue in my sin. Because Jesus rose. And baptism commemorates that. Does that make sense? Notice this is why Paul ended this section in, in, in chapter 6, look at verse 11. 
Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus truly did rise. Literally, physically, historically. We do not believe in what's called gezichte, the German word for historical embellishment. There's no embellishment in this. Either Jesus rose or he didn't. Either Jesus came back to life or he didn't. There's no embellishment, friends. We, we truly believe this. We are, and, and because we believe this, we are a group of people who live differently because Jesus rose from the dead. We live different in our, from our world. We don't live like the world. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and such were some of you. You've been washed. You've been sanctified. We live different with our neighbors. We live different when we go to the store. We live different with our coworkers because we've died. We've been raised. Look, apart from this historical, actual, real truth, Christianity has no basis and no point. There's no point to gathering. There's no point to godliness. There's no point to ministry. There's no point to anything. Why even be here? The liberal churches that gather together, it's pointless for them to gather. They don't even believe in the literal, physical, actual, historical resurrection of Jesus. So there's no point. Why is there any point? Just be a good moral person. Go live your life. That's all that matters. If that's what matters. <laughs> there's certainly no point in getting baptized. So why? You know, as I was preparing this and going through this, I don't think, as far as I can remember, I, I, look at Travis, he's been here as long as I've been here, I, I don't think there's ever been a time where I actually commemorated in some way the actual resurrection of Jesus when we did a baptism. So I've been like, oh, you know, I, should, I need to do this. I think what we need to do, and you can hold me to this, remind me, we should commemorate the resurrection of Jesus when we're doing a baptism. We should do that. Because that's what it's pointing to that. We're commemorating and remembering, of course, it's Jesus' death, but his resurrection, physical resurrection as well. We cannot forget this vital aspect, this pillar of Christianity. It's vital not only to us gathering together, but it's vital for us in how we live our lives. I'll give this to you again. Baptism is the birthday cake. It's just a cake of the resurrection of Christ. What undergirds this act of baptism, we commemorate Christ's resurrection because we truly believe he actually, physically, literally, historically rose from the dead. We do, we believe that. Would you take a moment and pray with me? Our Father, we've been encouraged from this vital, significant truth 
that we want to make sure we make this of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. Lord Jesus, you have died, you've raised, you've risen from the dead, you've been raised by the Father, So keep transforming us. We are a people who trust in you. We are a people who put our hope in you as our shepherd, as our king, the one who loves us, who truly is alive. May that affect our lives, the way we live, the way we treat each other as part of your church, transformed, that we would display grace to each other and love. And it would spur us on to say to this lost, fallen, wicked, evil world, come. Come and be transformed. Come and be loved Come and be forgiven. Come and be changed. Come and worship the one the one that you've been created to worship. Please work in us as your people to be a church that displays that. That we're transformed because Jesus, you've been raised. Our faith is weak. Strengthen our faith. And as we do each week, would you take this time, just a minute or so, where you can fill your mind with truth, ponder what we've seen from Romans chapter six. May it direct you to worshiping, praising, thanking, asking for the Lord to work in your heart by means of the Spirit, keep transforming you. However, let this time be a time where you can ponder and think and fill your mind with truth. And you know, a few moments, we'll sing, we'll pray, and the ministry can begin. But take this few moments between you and the Lord. Fill your mind with truth. Would you do that now, please?